Welcome into a midweek special edition of Kindred Spirits Podcast on RFK Refugees Network. I'm your host, John. Ted is on assignment, and I have with me Bailey Feist from the Washington Spirit. Bailey, thank you for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. We have overcome all the technical problems in front of us to get this to our <laughs> listeners. It's a we, you know, this is like a marathon slash Ironman competition of getting this podcast yeah. out, and we did it together. So I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. We went so, through it. We did. We did. We did go through it. We're, <laughs> we're much closer now than we were at the beginning. All right. So yes. let's start at the beginning of your career. Four years at Wake Forest, scored 22 goals, 10 assists. At the time, you were your 10th leading scorer in the program. Wake Forest is a pretty good program, so that's a pretty nice thing to have. Made the All ACC second and third team in your time there. Uh, what's your fondest memories from that time in, in, at Wake? What was what was something that you really carry with you? Obviously, you scored a lot of goals. Uh, you played it on a win- pretty winning team. What was something that stands out for you, something that you carry with you? Um, yeah, I absolutely loved my time at Wake. Um, I loved that we were in the ACC. We got to play against, you know, the, the powerhouses, the UNC, the Florida State, um, all those like tough schools. And that's, that's the reason why I went to wake is, was to be put up against the best players in college soccer. And, um, and with that came my best memories of just, you know, working hard and doing my best. And, um, obviously winning was great too. Um, we didn't make it very far in the NCAA tournament. Really. I think we, the furthest we got was the sweet 16, but, um, it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed my time at wake for sure. I was talking to Julia, uh, last week and she started off. So say Swedish person starting off their college career in Wisconsin and then very quickly changing to Florida. And I was saying that was a probably a good move to get out of what is the normally the cold <laughs> to get into some yeah. nice sunshine. You were, you were, you were in a normal temperate zone, probably a little hot and muggy in the summer. You were, you're from Cincinnati. So what's the, what's the summer like in, in Ohio? I've not been. Oh my gosh. Bad? So bad. Yeah. It just feels <laughs> wet outside all the time. Like you're outside for like a minute and you're like drenched in sweat. So, so like here kind of. A little yes. Bit. Pretty much the same as here. Yeah. <laughs> had you had you planned or hoped to go professional sort of at the onset when you were looking at Wake? You said you went there because you, you know, are in the ACC playing the best teams, bringing the best out of yourself with that competition. Was when you when you started that process, you're like, I would like to play professionally someday. Or did it come later as you were, you know, doing well? Um, I think I knew ever since I was younger that I wanted to play professional soccer. And the way my career was going um, at Wake it was looking like I, it was very doable for me. Um, so probably after my freshman year going into sophomore year at week, I was like, okay, like it's time to put this goal to, to actually, you know, like really, really focus on getting there. And from that point on, that was, that was my mission to get drafted and to play professionally. Quick sidebar. Tony Deleuze, is that Austin Deleuze's brother or or relative? Yes. How about that? He played, yeah, professionally, right? Yes. Very briefly for DC United, but I think for other teams as well. Yeah, that's just like a soccer family. There you go. I think there's a lot of that. I think you find that, right? That's sort of, that's Mm -hmm. that's a a non-uncommon thing. Um, So drafted into the NWSL in the second round in 2019. I was going back, sort of looking at all your media clips before we talked, and it was, I think you were speaking to someone from your hometown high school, like local paper. And you were just talking oh, about how, yeah. how emotional of a process it was to get all those phone calls and, and to, you know, realize what you just said was a childhood dream. Um, kind of had, uh, you had an interesting season that first year. You got your feet wet. You got 12, 12 matches with four starts. 
Uh, Spirit didn't make the playoffs. I think they finished fifth. But how are you feeling coming into that season? I think everyone always talks about ah, oh, the speed of play is the big the big adjustment you have to make. But what was your first impression, and and how did it, uh, you know how how prepared did you feel for for the NWSL coming out of four years of Wake? Um, I honestly didn't really know what to expect. Um, I knew it was going to be a big jump um, going from college to professional. And it was kind of in- intimidating for sure, knowing I was going to be on, you know, Andy Sullivan's team, mm-hmm. Rose Bell's on the team. And I'm like, you know, thinking about how I'm going to match up against these players. Um, but once I kind of, you know, got my feet wet, like you said, a couple of months, and that's when I started, like, you know, I acknowledge the fact that I I do belong there. And I, I was, you know, able to compete. Um so it did take a couple months or so to get used to the speed of play. But, you know, once I, you know, gained that confidence, I was, I was good to go. Do you think that's the big hurdle for young players coming out of college, coming into particularly coming into to the spirit who, you know, obviously are, are now return or reigning champions, but getting over that mental hurdle of going from being the big fish in a smaller pond to being in a lot larger pond with players they have watched on television for however long is that is that mental transition bef- between i've seen you on tv versus you're my teammate i'm just as good as you and and i want to start over you is that the big is that the challenge that players have i think that is um a big challenge for players coming into this league um and i think that goes hand in hand with confidence and you know when you're not confident and you know understanding that you you're there for a reason and you know you're just as good as the other girls on the team um you don't perform without that confidence and you know, you're everyone's good enough to be there. It's just knowing that and um, playing with that confidence and self-belief. When you're a young player, that's not getting minutes. Do you get that confidence in training by, you know, matching up every day with those players and actually, you know, maybe coming out ahead occasionally. Is that how you, I'm just thinking about young players that are on the periphery sort of at the beginning. How do they, how do they make that transition, that mental confidence transition? Is it, is it training? I think just, yeah, training day in and day out, just, um, getting comfortable, you know, being uncomfortable and being around these like really good players. And I think that just, that comes with time. That's, that's how it was for me. The more that I trained with these people, the, the more comfortable I felt and the better I did. You also got to score your first goal that year and lucky for you, it's a highlight one. I think, I think, it, I think it's, it's <laughs> yeah. always fun when the a first goal is like, something that's always going to be in the real for you. And I think that one was, that was very nice. That was, <laughs> I was also getting to watch that. Any, any moments to, I'm trying, I don't remember where I, I can see that it was, was that at North Carolina? It was Orlando okay. and it was like raining. It was like a monsoon. And it was like, I think it was like within the fifth, the first 15 minutes. And I got a yellow card, like I think five minutes into that game. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> it was like one of my first starts too. Knocking um, all your firsts out in one. Oh uh, yeah. In one oh jeez. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I didn't really expect that to go, and I don't think the bench did either. I saw like the replay of it, and they like turned the camera to the bench, and everyone was like, "Who just scored? Like, what just happened?" Like everyone was kind of <laughs> confused. No one really knew how the ball got in the net. But yeah. But I think that that is a. I think that's a great sort of indicator of how you want to play and your talent level is that you're willing to try something like that in that condition in, in your first start or one of your first starts at the beginning of a game. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, I love when the goal sort of gives you a little story about the player and and that yeah. first one did. Uh, so 
following year, COVID comes, throws the whole world, but at least germane to this interview, most specifically the NWSL season into uh, crazy town. But for you, you had a bit of a coming out party that year. Uh, I would say you definitely did. Starting all but nine of the, all but one of the nine matches between the Challenge Cup and the Fall Series, led the team in goals, Player of the Year. Had you done anything spe- like new or special in the off season to be able to hit the ground running so so well and get? Obviously, you got your opportunities, but you really took advantage of them as well. What did you do in the off season different? Um, I think just knowing what to expect and you know, knowing how I can come in that next year being, you know, a leg up. Um, I trained really, really hard. Um, I knew what um, the coaches wanted from me and, and I got really fit. I lifted a lot, played a lot of small sided um, with my friends back at home and just like really stayed committed to wanting to come back and being like a starter and being player of the year, like that was, that was my goal going into that second year. Yeah. You really, from, you know, from our viewpoint, also from Richie's comments at the time, you were really running the offense for the most part of the challenge cup it was sort of going through you. Did you feel an increased responsibility to sort of shoulder that load, even as a very young player, a player that had to that point appeared in 12 matches. Like you, you got, you got the keys to the, to the car at that point. Was that, yeah. was that the feeling you were, you know, were you looking for that or did it feel like a little bit of a weight too? Um, no, I, I mean, as a player, I think you like that. I mean, I like that pressure and I like, you know, being able to contribute to my team in any way that I can. And, you know, I think that's everyone's goal. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't feel the pressure, um, but I knew I did need to produce because I was one of the, you know, main attackers on the team. And I will also pull out a, another interview you did around the time. Apparently, you also started napping a lot during the Challenge Cup. Is that, <laughs> has that remained part of your game day routine? Or is that more like, I'm in this hotel all the time, and we, I can only drink so much coffee from uh, whoever brought the espresso machine. I'm, I'm forgetting the tale now. It wasn't yeah. that long ago, but it was fabled. Does that, is that part of your routine now, or is that just a, uh, a bubble special? Yeah, that was just a bubble special. I am not <laughs> taking napper at all. I think it was just we were locked in that hotel. Like you couldn't leave. I don't even think we're allowed going on walks because we would get fined. Jeez. Like that. That's when COVID was so serious, and like you got caught outside, you were in trouble. So I was like, okay, well, there's really nothing else to do besides nap and eat, drink coffee. So I did end up napping a lot during during that month. One of those three, one of those three good for your performance. <laughs> one, yeah. One, so that's the, that's the one to, that's the one to pick, I guess. Um, yeah. So 2021 preseason comes around. You're playing the last preseason match of the year. I guess it was the challenge cup match against Gotham at Audi field. And you got hurt on a pretty innocuous play. Uh, I remember, I think I was covering it. Um, can you walk us through what happened? I'm trying to remember you were on the, you were on the yeah. near sideline, I think uh, towards the media towards the uh, press box, I think. Yeah. Um, it was early in that game. I think I, it was in the middle of the field. The first time I went down, it was like, I felt my knee buckle a little. It wasn't contact. It was just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, that felt weird. And then I played on it for a bit. My knee was, I knew something was wrong. It, my knee was twitching. It was, it was, didn't feel stable at all. And then I kept going. And then over by, Gotham's bench was like I cut really hard like one last time tried to go the other way and kind of just like <laughs> face plant it and I was like yeah 
um, I need to come off. I definitely did something. And I think that's what you were talking about at the mm-hmm. time by the bench. Um, yeah. And I ended up tearing my ACL um, last game or last preseason game before the year started, which was a huge bummer. Was this your first major injury in your playing career? Yeah, this was, yeah, first major injury. What was the, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a mental side of it. That's, that's, and we'll get to it, but from the physical perspective, what was the recovery process like for you? How, how soon were you in surgery and how soon were you back on your, on your feet trying to build strength again and stability? Um, so I found out like a couple of days after that happened and then I decided to go home for the surgery. It was like all in that same week and, um, recovery process wasn't always, you know, steady. You have good days and bad days. And mm-hmm. I did have some, um, minor setbacks just with, you know, getting my strength back and my quad strength was probably the most, um, the last thing to come. So that was, um, kind of frustrating. Um, but it took me nine months to get back, mm. um, longer than I expected. Um, but yeah, the, the windows usually, they usually say like six to nine months. I feel like is always the, the, the guideline they give when an injury is down. So it definitely was a little bit longer than you'd like for sure. Yeah. I, I know myself and Jason Anderson were predicting sort of re- repeat player of the year performance from you just from watching you in the, in the previous year and in the preseason. And I know Richie was singing your praises all in every sort of media availability. You were, you were the player he was talking about most and looking to try to incorporate all the new draftees with you in the midfield, aside from the physical pain and sort of the, the uneven rehab process and setbacks, how much of a mental challenge was it for you to hit that hurdle right as it looked like you were going to get a full season running off the back of that pretty dominant, you know, player of the year previous season? Yeah, that, that was probably the most devastating thing, knowing how, how well I was playing and where I was heading. And then to be that, you know, high up in my career and then just to be totally knocked down to the bottom was the most mentally challenging probably thing I've ever gone through. But um, it's, it's now something to strive for. It's now what I I'm trying still to get back to. And I think that's definitely close. It's not there yet, but um, I'm definitely striving to get back to that spot I was at. Did you talk to any of your teammates? I know that Ashley Hash is really big into like sports psychology and like mental performance stuff. And I'm sure she's not the only one on the team. And mm-hmm. I all, I mean, I know also you, you wanted probably some physical space and mental space for that, but did, were you able to sort of pull in on any of those teammates to help you get through that, that real, you know, mental, it's sort of a catastrophe from a mental perspective, just it overcoming is, yeah. that mental trauma of, of, expectations versus reality were you able to find any solace in your teammates yeah my teammates were awesome they were really comforting and constantly asking me you know what they can do or giving me advice you know people that have been through it because like we said like it was my first injury ever so Mm -hmm. it was nice having you know everyone backing you and I went home for a bit too so I had my family at home but it's just I don't think people realize like how mentally draining it is even more phys- than physically it's it's crazy i learned sort a lot of, going through that yeah related to that too like you missed a lot of craziness surrounding the team quite obviously because you weren't physically there for it but how plugged in were you to what was going on obviously you were communicating with them about your injury and other things too but like how close were you with the team as they were going through one of the wildest off this off the field seasons probably 
definitely in NWSL history, you know, Magic Jack maybe compete maybe competes a little bit, but like it's it's up there. Were you were you plugged yeah. into all the things that were going on? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was going through a lot, and I I was hearing all this stuff that was going on <laughs> back at the team. I'm like, oh my god, you guys have it just as bad as I do. Um, yeah, that was that was a wild year, just like with how much change there was, the turnover, you know, not knowing who's going to show up the next day. Mm-hmm. It's like this person fired. Stuff coming out in in the media. Um, I'm waiting yeah, I, for the book on that. I'm waiting for someone I to uh, with good access to write the book on that because I think it's gonna I think it's gonna sell well. I think Molly from the Washington Post is probably the best, <laughs> probably the best one to do yeah. it considering she broke everything. Um, I noticed you at some of the late season games. I think I saw you at one at Segra. Um, was it hard for you to be away from the team as they were succeeding so well, particularly with you going through your own mental stuff about this going to be your year, and then it 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 wasn't. Was it hard for you to? see the success see the success away from from you um no i was i was rooting for them from afar i was really proud of them i wanted them you know all this stuff going on and i thought it was so cool that they just you know came together and blocked everything out so i was rooting from for them from afar i went to the um championship game obviously and got to celebrate with them so no i i enjoyed all of that that was so fun to watch that is magnanimous. That's a, that. That is the best. I mean, it's good to not be bitter about it. Like it's hard. It's yeah. hard. I'm sure somewhere, you know, it's, but you, you put your best foot forward on that. So 2022 kind of a, I would say a bit of an unlucky year so far for the spirit, um, crazy schedule draws that should have been wins losses that should have been draws and a winless streak. That was probably, I would say is equally improbable of the no losing streak last year. Both of them don't really make sense to me. Uh, in, in the mathematical possibility of it. I agree. Yeah. As you sit here sort of past the midpoint of the season, what are your, what are your sort of overwhelming thoughts about how it's gone, why it's gone that way, how you're feeling about, you know, yourself? Yeah. I mean, at this point, um, we just need to start stacking the points up. I mean, it's been crazy to look back and think that we haven't won a game since May 1st, our home opener. Um, and we've been so close, like you said, in certain games, like last couple minutes of the game and Orlando comes back and ties the game. Um, so there are definitely some games that stick out in my head to where I'm like, wow, that definitely should have been a win. Um, but yeah, I think we're playing good soccer. We just aren't finishing our chances and we've been letting in some, you know, easy goals that we're all not very proud of. Um, but I think Louisville this Friday is going to change things around. And once we get this win, I think they'll all start coming through for sure. Yeah, I hope, I hope that's the case. It's a, it's a hard, it's, it was, I remember looking at the schedule in the beginning of the year when we started with a win and a bunch of draws and I was like, I'm not going to get worried about this. <laughs> this is yeah. there. There's just no there. And it's it, the weird part about the NWSL is that uh, the teams that you assume to be at the bottom or in the middle, the teams that are at the bottom, you expect to be higher there's just mm-hmm. such a there's such a continual churn in expectations of these teams that it's it's really hard to look at the ca- look at the schedule and be like all right that's a win that's a draw that like there's no way to know you gotta be you gotta be evaluating it, is, it on yeah. the week it's a, it's crazy on the bright side though you're healthy you're playing again how are you feeling when you're out of surgery physically um yeah just the big thing for me is now just to stay healthy mm-hmm. and um I think I'm 
I'm not where I was, you know, two years ago and I'm working towards that for sure. Um, but yeah, just keep showing up day in and day out. And I think it's coming for me and just staying positive and contributing to the team and, and whatever I'm asked of. It's, it's kind of perverse, but it's actually maybe a good situation for you to be able to work through the rust and sort of the gaining all of your legs back in a situation where if, if say all of the players were back and you were finding minutes hard to come by, or if say the team was at the top of the table and there wasn't really room to sort of let people get their sea legs back in, in mm-hmm. process. So I guess that's, I mean, in, in one way that's been good. The absences have allowed you to really work your way through it and, and sort of, you know, get the rust off in the games versus, you know, spot starts or, you know, yeah. substitution appearances. You've gotten the minutes. So that's, that's positive. I suppose. Yeah. Has it no, been a, yeah, I see that as a positive. Yeah. Has it been a challenge to establish a groove with a lineup that is constantly in flux, particularly in the attack? I feel like you, if you, I haven't done the, I haven't done the math. I'm sure Jason Anderson has it in his notebook, but like, as far as the number of different lineups that Chris has put together, you have had lots of different people both beside you and in front of you uh, throughout the season. Has that been a challenge for you? Um, yeah, I feel like our team is so competitive and we have so many good players that it's hard to have like a steady lineup because, you know, People show up, you know, every single day. And Chris has a lot of hard decisions to make. Um, we have a lot of good attackers on our team. So it's it's definitely good. Competition is, you know, brings out the best in all of us. But it's it's been definitely hard for Chris to, you know, have a steady lineup. But all, and, and you as well, though, thinking about particularly there's so much in, in where you play in your style that you have to sort of know what someone's going to do ahead of time. And if you guys are signing national team replacement players during the midweek, and then they're getting in the games like five days later, like <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. be very challenging for everybody involved to be able to really put their best foot forward. So that's, I got to, I, I credit you and the other players that are having to sort of, you know, a you're learning new tactics from last year. I guess Chris said he was implementing sort of new ways he wanted to go changing formations and you're doing that also with players who are just coming off the street. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's kind of wild. Yeah, so, we played with a three back but, last game. And that right. was, that was, I mean, the first time we've ever done that. We trained it for a couple of days and we did that. And it's a lot of stuff kind of like happening on the fly. And you just have to learn to adapt. I've gotten an appreciation much more for, and I think also from DC United season as well with the coaching turnover there and, you know, the fact that they're, at the bottom of the Eastern conference that there is such a desire to have to change tactics and systems all the time in the, in the, in the search for trying to find a way out and the spirit having to do that as well, you know, for injuries, for players coming in. And I have been, I have gotten a newfound appreciation for players sort of like mental aptitude to have to learn and understand and actualize all these things on the field. How hard is it as a player? Granted you're training it, on, on the weekend or during the week, you get a couple days in, how hard is it? How much are you in your head during the game thinking like, all right, I was, I was told these sort of three action points where I want to do this when the ball's over here, I want to do this. How, how challenging is that on a, on a week to week basis to have to sort of recalibrate your style of play versus just scouting the opponent and adjusting to their, you know, what you think they're going to do? Yeah. I mean, every team is different and we go about each team differently, obviously. And throughout the week, um, we have game review and then we watch film literally every day to 
to look at our opponent's um, tendency and ways that we can go around them. Um, and Chris has made it very clear, and we've been feeling very prepared these past few weeks going into games because you know, our mission against North Carolina was to force them a certain way. And I think we did do that. Um, their block in the midfield, we looked at that every single day to, um, to be aware of that and their um, strengths and stuff. So we definitely prepare ourselves and watch a lot of films. So that definitely helps going into each game. All right. I've got to ask you this because you were there. What was the explanation for the penalty? Did, did, was there one that was absurd off the ball, um, right? Yeah. I don't even, I don't even think the ref knew who it was against. Yeah. I was I, at the line about to come into the game, so I kind of missed it, but that was, that should not have been. You missed it. The TV missed it. I think, <laughs> I think, I think Chris was very conscious about not getting a fine again in the post game. He's like, you know, I think he, Andy was like, well, I guess we shouldn't have got in the situation to where the cross was made, that the ball was there, that the, that the ref could have made the call, which I thought was, which I thought was impressive, which a good answer. Uh, way to, yeah, only totally way to answer it and not get in trouble. But yeah, I mean, barring that, barring, uh, uh, Aubrey has maybe won a season of a play where she'd want to get it back last season. I think yeah. it was a throw out of the back this time. It was a pass. And I bet that's going to be it for the, the entire rest of the year, but there's, there's, there's one of those, so barring yeah. those two bizarre situations, you're 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 right there with it with a W. So hopefully, racing had a good game against Portland. Uh, they, I, I'm sure you, having done film study now, you saw the goal uh, that that racing scored on the end line, which was just bananas. So they're not yeah, they're they're, they're improving. They're obvious. They're not the team they were at the beginning of of their uh, of their expansion season. So it's um, good. It's a, it's a it's a good matchup. It's a one. Yeah. Obviously, both teams really want to win. Um. I have some questions from our listeners real quick, and that will be it. I, I want to thank you for taking the time and for uh, bearing with me through all of the travails. Dougie, 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 Doug Reyes-Saron, who uh, is the, basically, if there's ever a spirit fan that's being taken a picture of on national television, it's him. He's usually the one uh, in the back of the spirit squadron. He wants to know your thoughts on returning to Audi field for this last stretch towards the playoff push. I, I'm, I'm assuming the subtext there is, Audi versus uh, the other field that you have to play at the, the, the field that will not be named. Are you excited about being back on <laughs> natural grass and in, in DC? Yeah, we love playing at Audi. The, the fan base there is awesome. And, and anytime we're on that grass, we're, we're happy and just being able to avoid Segra is definitely a plus. So we're very excited to get back and to play in front of our fans at Audi. There was an infographic that just came up before we were recording that was showing average attendance per team and sort of by location. Segra, if you can believe it, it's at the very bottom of any stadium <laughs> in the entire league. So uh, hope, hoping the decision makers, the the powers that be, really uh, have a chance to take a look at that and figure out how we how we improve that for 2023. Uh, and last question from one of our Patreon, uh, RJR asks. Uh, he wants to know the ch the changes that you've witnessed in the league or in the, at the team level uh, in, in your time that you've been here. And then also, uh, so what you've been happy to see. So what improvements have been made that you're really glad that have happened and also what needs additional work still? Um, yeah, I think every year for me has been different. My four years at spirit every single year was, was different than the next. And I think, 
within the league, I think we've made a lot of progress, you know, just making changes and putting people in the right position to lead and to coach. So I think in that aspect, I think the league is, is doing well there. And obviously with the CBA protecting the players has, has been a major plus um, to everything. So I think the NWSL is heading in the right direction. It's just going to take a little bit more time to, to show. Mm-hmm. Did you guys, th- I, I, there was an article that came out yesterday that I don't have a subscription to have read because I think it's $75 a month uh, for that particular <laughs> magazine or, or, or newspaper. Uh, the Voyager sponsorship. Can you tell me, did they give mm-hmm. everyone a wallet? Did, did they, did everyone get a certain amount of, of crypto just to do with what they wanted or was it, was there something else that, what was the, what was the nature of that as, as far as you know, for what you guys got? Yeah. So I'm not like big into crypto, but I did sign up for Voyager because they said that they would give us free crypto. Mm-hmm. And so we all signed up. We're all excited, you know, to put it where we want to, what we want to do with it. And then an email comes out that they, they went bankrupt and we're yes. all like, <laughs> what the heck happened here? So that was, that I, was I, I too got itself. that email. I also got that email. Uh, so I, I know that feel I, I was curious. I was just so curious cause they didn't really sort of talk about, the specifics of it or they probably did behind the paywall but um yeah just a bummer i i i i uh, i I compared it on twitter yesterday basically being like imagine at your work you got an hsa that they said you could get as a benefit where you could pay for your medical expenses and then in the middle of the year they wrote you an email saying actually you don't that doesn't exist that never (laughs) that never happened (laughs) you don't have that benefit uh so yeah that's a bummer i hope i hope they can I, I'm standing with you in the line of creditors to hopefully we can get some of that money back. But if not, I hope they, maybe the league can, maybe the league can help you guys out. Anyway, Bailey, thank you so much for taking the time and, and talking to us. Where can people find you on the internet? I know you have an Instagram page. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter. I think it's at Bay's Feist 11 for both of those. And you can also find her on the field almost every game uh, this entire season. So hopefully racing Louisville is a victory and we have, we see a run basically yeah. the 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 exact opposite of the run that the team has been on so far this year. We'll do it. We'll do the, we'll do the other side too. of it. Yeah. Really, thank you so much. And listeners, uh, thank you for, for tuning in. If you are hearing this now on Wednesday, August the 3rd, that means you're a Patreon subscriber and you get this five days before everybody else. If you're not hearing it this week and instead are hearing it the following week, I guess that would be the 10th. Uh, if you want to get it earlier, go to patreon.com slash RFK refugees. All of our interviews live behind the paywall, similar to that article that I couldn't afford to read. But ours is not $75 a month. This is much cheaper. So you should look into that. Uh, either way, you'll hear us live Monday night, 830 on Twitch, t- twitch.tv slash RFK Refugees. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.